Blog Talk Radio. time with Pastor Steph. changing and 
you know, you have to get adjusted to that because what was once forgivable, hmm, I'm sure you're not always so readily, you know, able and interested in forgiving. And there are other things that, you know what, after 36 years, eh, you got to pick your battle. You got to pick your battle. Mm-hmm. Well, they also started off talking about, you know, their size and their weight and how, you know, they look. You know, and, and you know, I talked about men, you know, getting pot bellies and things like that. And Pastor Vincent talked about the fact that, you know, he had changed and, you know, over the years. And they really, really encourage one another. As a matter of fact, they go to the gym together. Mm-hmm. Yes. And even spoke about the fact, you know, if one person doesn't want to go to the gym, you know, then go ahead. Go ahead and you go to the gym and you get your workout on and, you know, you make it happen. And I'm not mad because you may not want to go to the gym today. Yeah. And, you know, Pastor Brenda talked about the fact that, you know, she's taking medication and, you know, it, it's made her hair come out and, you know, she cut her hair. And Pastor Vincent was very supportive of that, to say the least, as well as other stuff. She said <laughs> she said they even go to the same barber. Wow. Wow. You know, it's it's a lot to be married for thirty six years and the adjustments um of life individually as well as a couple and the changing of life and, you know, knowing it won't always be like this. Your time, the time that they spend with one another. Oh, they even talked about uh, Pastor Brenda having a long-distance job. Yes. And how that you know, had to become a factor in their relationship and how they they made it work. So, listen, you know, they were very encouraging. They were very encouraging to see after, you know, all these years, you know, that they were making adjustments and it really wasn't the end of the world. Okay, alrighty. Well, we got a very interesting switch tip with Shanti this week. Don't be afraid to help someone else be great. Mm. And that's that investing in someone else. You know, always give God thanks for his investing in us. And, you know, giving God thanks. You know, that he takes the time to see to it that we're not the same old people. You know, that we're reinventing ourselves. And we are not who we used to be. And as we get older and we can't do what we used to do and we're retiring from what we used to do and, you know, things shift in our lives, 
you know, God has to send people, you know, to help one another. And, you know, when someone is investing in you, you really got to take the time to, to be grateful. You really have to take the time to be grateful because, you know, people are not always ready, willing, and able to help you be great. Okay? So when we talk about don't be afraid to help someone else be great, think about the fact that, you know, you were invested in, whether we want to talk about God investing in us or someone else investing in us, you were invested in. And, hey, listen, listen, Jesus died on the cross for our life. So, hmm, right there. Don't be afraid to help someone else be great. Alrighty? Alrighty. Well, let's talk about it Tuesday church folk day rolled around. And ooh, we got to talking about excuse me, the middle schoolers passing out cotton to their classmates to salute the Black History Month. Now, talk about helping somebody be great. That sure ain't one of the ways to help somebody be great. Yeah. And how the the, the uh, parents and the, the students, rather, I'm sorry, the faculty is trying to figure out how to help these children without insulting the parents. Listen, somebody would just have to be insulted because your children are rude, rude rude and triple rude and they are rude because of you so I really wouldn't be too interested in how the parents are feeling considering that these middle schoolers are getting their behavior and attitude from the parents well we got to talk about the church folks and we talked about how as the uh, pastors are investing in the congregants and trying to see that they become great how they're running into how much resistance. Yeah, you can get quite beat up on when you're trying to help somebody become great, especially as a pastor, because you're forced to really tell people the truth sometimes, and they really don't want to hear it. No, and they let you know. They're not afraid to let you know. Don't waste no time on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they don't realize that that's what they're saying. Oh, I've had that said to me a many a way. Many different ways people have said to me, please do not invest in me. And you have no idea how easy it is to say, okay. Yeah. So, listen, we have to be encouraged to help people be great and not listen to them because if so it'd be a whole lot of zombies walking around out here or a whole lot more zombies walking around out here all right well wow wednesday rolled around people and ooh we we got to talking about the restaurant nettie's house of spaghetti that has officially banned any child 
under the age of 10 to be able to come and dine in their restaurant. And we asked the due time crew ladies, what did they think about that? And they said, oh, yeah. Yes. There is nothing wrong with having age-appropriate meals, <laughs> age-appropriate restaurants. Yeah, take them to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, let them run around. Take them to the balls in uh, McDonald's. Let, the, let them jump up and down. You know, when you're trying to have a nice, quiet meal and you're trying to maybe get your romance on in the restaurant, look at one another's eyes and, you know, just be out of the house and just enjoy one another's company. No, you don't want children throwing peas at you. No, you don't want somebody jumping up and down in the booth in the back of you. No, you don't want all of that stuff going on when you're just trying to get some food. That's all. All you want to do is eat. Alrighty. Alrighty. Well, yesterday. Oh, the therapy was going on as we listened to a rebroadcast of our sister Renita Hoof's segment, The Enemy Tries to Steal My Husband with the use of drugs, but God, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, talk about a slam dunk, homegirl was straight on fire as she talked about her husband's drug addiction after seven years of marriage and trying to really get a grip on just readjusting her life and finding out that he was not the only one that God had to deal with. Ooh. Now, for her to be able to go that far, that made it an Extra great listening uh, segment. Yeah, we pulled that one back from May 16th, 2018. And after almost five years, it was just as powerful yesterday as it was back then. You have got to go back and listen and and the best part about it is you know you need to go back and listen whether you're married or not and that's one of the things one of the things I used to always talk about when I used to do those uh, segments you know I was talking to Christian wives but the, the the episodes were so powerful the ministries were so powerful that it didn't matter whether you were married or not. There was so much. It was so power-packed. If you weren't married, listen, it was preparing you for marriage. It was preparing you for a relationship. It was just preparing you for life. And the enemy 
song. As long as there's an enemy, we don't need to hear about how the enemy tried to steal my husband's whatever. Because it's going to help us to learn um, components in fighting back. When she talked about being a warrior, she talked about being victorious, she talked about crying, she talked about just, oh my goodness gracious, you got to go back and listen. You have to. You have to, you have to, you have to. You won't be sorry. Okay? All right. Well, today, today is Freestyle Friday, and we get to do whatever we want to do. So, we're about to get this party started. Go. Go, go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on and... Make sure you go nowhere, because we'll be right back. My name is Ben Adriano, and I am a survivor of human trafficking. I never thought a person like me, someone who worked hard, who was fairly intelligent, who had a strong family support system, could ever be trafficked. I was wrong. In 2008, I woke up in a dingy hotel room asking myself, what did I do to deserve this? It took years after my escape to process what happened to me. Thankfully, through Refugee Services of Texas, I finally began to heal from the trauma of being trafficked. As we speak, there are thousands of victims in the Texas Panhandle who are being trafficked like I was, and they need your help right now. See something, say something. Excuse me. I 
came across a an article and it was the net worth of our celebrities. And I think I may have done this a long time ago. But I started flowing through the pages. And man, oh man, oh man, these people, they're worth quite a bit of money here. Yeah. Well, the first person they start off with is uh, Beyonce. And they say that she is worth. Five hundred million dollars. Wow, it's a lot of money. A lot of money. Five hundred million dollars. She's got like a lot of money invested. Um, so that has definitely helped to boost her net worth. Well, guess who else is on this list? Ms. Diana Ross. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they say that after all these years, the ex-Supreme member is actually worked, worth $250 million. Wow. Wow, who would have thought after all these years? I didn't think she was worth that much. No. Well, Melissa McCarthy, you may know her, you may not. She's uh, primarily a comedian. I think she's the other half of the King of Hearts. That's what she looks like. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, she's worth $90 million. Wow. She ain't even all that well known. And she's worth that kind of money. Kevin Costner. Everybody knows Kevin. He's the other half of, um, what's her name? Um, what's her name? Whitney Houston and the bodyguard and he is actually worth two hundred and fifty million dollars. Mm. Wow. Demi Moore who did something to her face. She looks horrible. She touched her face. You know Demi Moore, she's she used to be the other half of um What's his name? My boy, he was in everything as he got older. Bruce Willis and Kevin Kushner, she was married to for a while. And she did, she was the first one to do, you know, a, a, like a little raunchy, raunchy movie. And she was in Indecent Proposal. She's actually worth $200 million. Yeah, I didn't think she would be worth that much. Yeah. 
Vin Diesel. Now, you know Vin Diesel. He's the Dominic Toretto from the Fast and Furious franchise. And they've got another one coming out that looks really good. Really, really good. And he is actually worth $225 million. Wow. Wow. Who else is on this list? Kirstie Alley. She just recently died. She just recently died. Not that long ago. Well, before she died, she was worth $40 million. I can't figure out why. I don't know why. She hasn't been doing much. Halle Berry. Now, Halle Berry is only worth $90 million. Kind of surprised. I would have thought she would have been worth a little bit more than that. She's been uh, acting for a minute. Brad Pitt. $300 million. Wow. Go ahead, Brad. Brad Pitt is worth $300 million. Why isn't Halle Berry worth $300 million? Wesley Snipes. Tell me how much you think Wesley is worth. Mm. You know he's got the Blade Trilogy, White Man Can't Jump. He's got New Jack City. Dong, dong, dong. Ah. Wesley Snaps is worth a cool $10 million. Ha, ha. Wow, Wesley. You didn't fell off, my brother. You didn't fell off. Let's see who else is worth a dollar. Mm. You got some people here I ain't never even heard of. And they worth more than Wesley. Gabor, what's her name? Gabor Ray Sidibay. You remember her. She she started off as Precious. And then she had a stint on Empire. And she lost a lot of weight. Well, according to this list, she's worth $6 million. Now, how are you worth $6 million and what's his name? Wesley is only worth $10 million. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Barbara Mandrell. Remember her? The country music singer from... The 70s and the 80s. Now, check this out. She's worth 45 mil. Yo, I'm going to keep comparing people to Wesley. Now, we heard from Barbara Mandrell in the mini. And she worth 45 million. Heather Locklear, 6 million. Now, wasn't she married to one of those rock stars? I thought she was married to one of those rock stars. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Hmm. How much do you think Ice Cube is worth? 
Now, you know, Ice Cube is the rapper, the actor, the producer, the entrepreneur. Um, he, he did his um, Friday franchise. He did his barbershop, and, and he got, that's a franchise. There's like three of those. What else did he do? He did uh, all about the Benjamins. He also had his um, his movie, Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, he was a part of uh, N- 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 NWA. And hmm, he is worth one hundred and sixty million dollars. Go ice. Go ice. Go ice. Ice, baby. Tina Turner. In terms of life. Well, Tina Turner. $250 million. Now, why is she worth so much? Because she's about as old as dirt. Why is she worth so much money? I don't know. Hmm. She's been living in, she was living in Switzerland for quite a many years. Sandra Bullock, who also did something to her face. Shame on her. She's worth 220 mil. Yeah. Wow. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Everybody knows Jim Carrey. He got his start on In Living Color. And he is worth. $180 million. Who else? Who else? Joel Osteen. Now, I need to know, why would a preacher be on this list? Why would a preacher? Well, I guess he's written a couple of books. And uh, maybe that puts some money in his pocket. But Joel Osteen, $100 million. Why? Why? What have you done? What have you done as a pastor to be worth a a preacher $100 million? John Travolta. Everybody knows good old John. He started off as... Uh, what's his name? Barbarino. And uh, welcome back, Carter. He did Grease. He's been acting for I mean, since he was a kid. Two hundred and fifty million dollars. Mmm. Kira Sedgwick. You know Kira Sedgwick. She she did the closer. For many years, and she's also married to Kevin Bacon. She is worth forty-five million dollars. I just need a million dollars. That's all I need. Just, just break me off a piece. I don't even need, you know, a whole lot. Ellen DeGeneres. How much do you think Ellen is worth? Mm-hmm. Well, they say that she is a self-made millionaire. Ready? 
$490 million, y'all. $490 million. How much is Janet Jackson worth? Now, if Ellen is worth $490 million, how much is Janet Jackson worth? I'll give you all a minute to kind of guess that one. $190 million. That's it. That is it. She's got some investments and acting in her shows. Billy D. Billy D. Williams, after all these years, how much is Billy D. worth? Billy D. Williams is worth $9 million. <laughs> Bill Cosby. Bill, 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 Bill. Bill did his stint in jail. <clears throat> they took his little show off the TV. Oh, he must have taken a real decline in his worth, right? Well, Bill Cosby, $400 million. Now, what was he worth before before the take and shake down? Huh? Wow. Wow. Betty White, before she died, was worth $75 mil. Wow. Wow. Let's see a couple more before we get into our our news. All right, my boy, my boy, my boy, my boy. Samuel L. Jackson. I remember, I remember when Samuel Jackson did Shaft and Wesley snapped started talking about he would have never taken that role. It was like a dirt role. And, you know, that really pushed Samuel Jackson. You know, he's he's a monster in whatever he does. As they say, he's a beast. And I remember that was a big thing, you know. And Samuel Jackson, you know, he held his head. He didn't, you know. And then fall for the okie doke and start going back and forth, you know. And he was now Samuel Jackson, then been through some things. Yeah. So I wanted to bring up because how much was uh, Wesley worth a minute ago? He was worth nine or ten million dollars. I know he wasn't worth more than ten million dollars. I think it may have been nine. But he talked about Samuel Jackson, and Samuel Jackson has been in, I mean, quite a bit of stuff. He holds down his role as Nick Fury in The Avengers. He's been in a million roles. He does the Capital One um, uh, commercial. Man, Samuel Jackson is worth $250 million. What's the snaps need to go sit some down, some down somewhere? Sit down somewhere. Sit down somewhere. Dennis Rodman, the freak he is. Uh, 
$500 million. Wow. Wow, still. Leonard DiCaprio, who got his big boost when he did Titanic, and then when he did Wolf of Wall Street, he then took a surge to 260 mil. Carrie Underwood. Now, Carrie Underwood, didn't she get her start from, um, what's the, what's the thing? The competition? American Idol. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She won the fourth season. And she's worth $250 million. Wow, what a come up. What a come up. Let me see a couple more. Tyra Banks. <coughs> Excuse me. $110 million. You know, she's been doing her little modeling thing for quite some time. And she did her America's Next Top Model. So she, you know, she's made her, she's made her money. She's made her money. All righty. We're going to talk about some news now. That we heard how much these people are worth it. Let's see what we got here today. We got some quick news. Got some quick news. I'm going to start calling it some quick news. We've got this Texas woman who was found dead. Now, it started off, she's 33 years old. She was 33 years old. And she met this guy on an online dating service. And he didn't tell her that he was married. And when she found out that he was married, she threatened to tell the wife. Well... They didn't found her dead. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And they're trying to figure out whether this Mr. Ferguson, who's 32, who was in the relationship with her, that she had this online dating relationship with, <laughs> whether he's the one who actually killed her. Because he's been already charged with kidnapping her and setting fire to her car. So, you know, needless to say, you know, people will do anything to keep the secret. So, he did not want her telling his wife. So, ain't nobody got to tell her now. Because you're sitting up in jail. And even if you didn't murder her. You're in jail for kidnapping her and setting a car on fire. So who's going to tell her now? Stupid. I don't understand. People just, there's no plan. There is no plan. There is, there's officially no plan. And this is quite evident when they make stupid decisions like that. What else are we talking about in our quick news? Uh, Another no plan. Well, they say out in Atlanta, 
that the crime rate has gone crazy. Yeah. They are, they're saying that they have investigated out in Atlanta 65, I'm sorry, 64 homicide cases since 2021, and that is a 58% increase over this time last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is like crazy. There was a case, (laughs) and this is why people don't need to drink. So, there's a case of a shootout that took place in, in a bar out there in Atlanta. And you have this James Simpson who was at this bar, and he got into a fight with another guy over a spilled drink. And after the drink spilled, Mr. Simpson pulled out a gun and fired at the man. And in the process of him firing at that man, three people, (laughs) three other people, three other people, uh, were hurt security guard and two customers and you know I tell you thank God that the other victims were you know they were um, injured but they all had non-life threatening injuries <sighs> people don't drink don't drink don't drink don't drink. They have over and over and over again, they are clocking all of these shootings at these different um, at these different bars. And we know people are out here shooting and all kinds of stuff, and they ain't even got to have nothing to drink. But add a little liquor to the <laughs> to the melee. And then you really going to have something to deal with. Yeah. So, uh, what else is going on in the quick news? I'm going to start calling it that, that now. The quick news. Well, this was an interesting, this was an interesting article. So, there's this American teacher who, for whatever the reason is, it doesn't say why, but she is now living in Japan, and she was an English teacher here, and she's now teaching in Japan. And she noted some differences between the school here in the United States, the schools here, and the schools out in Japan. And one of the things she talked about was out in Japan, they have to change from outdoor to indoor shoes as soon as the students enter the school. Yeah. And they must. This is not, these are not optional things. The things that she's talking about are things that are mandated. And 
she says that the, the children, each day, every single day, the children have to clean the schools from top to bottom. The children. There is no janitor. Yeah. The children have to clean the school from top to bottom every day. Well, you wouldn't be having a whole lot of lazy kids. That's for sure. What else is she saying? She's saying that the Japanese students are responsible for serving themselves lunch and cleaning their trays. Yes, they have to serve themselves and they clean the trays. Wow. And she says there's no heating or cooling in the hallways. So she's forced to walk around with her coat. Yep. Well, here's something that would really kill the students here. They have a dress code. Now, I don't mean uniforms. The girls have to wear their hair above their shoulders or in a low ponytail. Now, that would kill these kids here because there goes the weave, there goes the braids, there goes the wigs. Yeah. Yep. And they are not allowed to dye their hair. Nope. No dyed hair. Everybody's hair is the same natural color. Either it's black or brown or whatever the shade is, but it's sure or blonde. But it sure ain't dyed. They are also forbidden to have piercings and makeup. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, they, and you know, in these other countries, these are just the rules. They don't have people protesting. They don't have people taking nobody to court. They have to deal with the rules and regulations. And, you know, when you think about it, none of these things are killing the kids. But if this were to go on here in the United States, there'd be parents angry, knocking down the doors, talking about this is not right, that students have rights. Yeah, they'd be talking about all of that stupid stuff. And, I mean, I would love to be able to see some of this stuff happening in the schools. Yeah. This was interesting. This is a really interesting article because, again, you know us. You know us well. We would not be talking about all of this kind of stuff here. Mm-mm. No, that wouldn't go over well. That wouldn't go over well at all. What else is going on? Wow. Let me see what's 
save that story. I got a couple of goodies. Got a couple of goodies waiting for both our gentlemen. Oh, here is a story. Man, I, t- I don't know what's wrong with these parents. So, they, out in Florida, they have this case, this case where, okay, you know, when you go to the parking lot or the or garage or whatever, and people don't park properly, so they park real close to your car, and sometimes you can't even, like, open up your door. Well, clearly, that's what happened with this woman. And she has an SUV, and she can't get in the car, at least from the driver's side. So they have it on surveillance, how she put her son in the car, in the driver's seat, and instructed him how to back the car out of the space. Now, the son is nine, and again, this is an SUV, and this is a regular SUV. This is not, you know, this is a standard SUV. This is not one of those you know, smaller ones, the mini one, no. So needless to say, his feet could not really press the the uh, brake or the pedal. So now you have her instructing him, and he tore up the car. He ended up backing the car, <laughs> they say, into part of the building. And they say, not only that, but how stupid she was, they say she almost got smashed in between the two cars. So as she's instructing him, she's instructing him through the driver's side window. So as he's backing up, And they said, and he went to turn the car. She almost got smashed in between the two cars. And the thing that really makes it bad is because whoever parked beside her jammed her in on the driver's side. She actually could have gotten in herself on the passenger side. Now, she may have had to climb over. May have been a little uncomfortable. But at least she wouldn't have, uh, I mean, he didn't tore the back of this car up. Now, I would love to see if, you know, whoever's car was next to theirs. Well, she's uh, being charged with child neglect. She's being charged with reckless endangerment and probably a whole lot of other things. What a dope. What a dummy. What a dummy. What a dummy. What a dummy. Let me get one one more of my stories out before I start talking to oh, the due time crew. Let's see what else we're talking about. 
Here we go with this black history thing. Here we go with this black history thing again. But this time, we're talking about a daycare. So they have a picture and video of the daycare children. One dressed in like a construction outfit. He's got his little construction hat on and his little reflector uh, vest. And then you have another one who's dressed as, I believe, is that a mailman? Well, a police officer. So they had a construction worker, a police officer, and a doctor. And they were covered in blackface. Come on, y'all. I mean, I just think these, these teachers are using this as a way to get back at the black people. Because you're not going to tell me you don't know. So the parents are so outraged, and we're talking about white parents and black parents, that they are pulling their children out of the school. And here's the part why I really wanted to talk about this. Because the, the, the preschool director, she says, and I quote, she says, Let me, let me just read this. Hmm. We have not intended to, and she sent this letter out to all the parents. We have not intended to offend anyone, and we're very sorry about any inconvenience. And they say a few days later, she sent another message that told the parents, that the staff would receive additional training in response to the incident. And then she writes another message that says, we wanted to let all the parents know that we met on Friday afternoon with all the teachers and staff. We went over several ethical and multicultural education points. I will teach the team a class covering all the necessary topics regarding U.S. history and multicultural education. You may rest assured this will never happen again. Now, I'm sorry. You know, people are screaming that, you know, they need to be educated, and I'm sorry. You don't need to be educated to be sensitive. You don't need to, again, common sense, common sense. All of these stories that are coming out about, um, you know, what these children are doing in the schools and things that are happening in the colleges and how many, I mean, when we went through the whole Uncle Ben's Brand and Aunt Jemima and Mrs. Butterworth and all of these brands being changed because of slavery and blackface and all of these things. Are you really telling me you were just like underneath a rock when all of this was going on? You don't need no sensitivity training. You need to be fired. And you need to work from home. 
where you don't interact with anybody person to person. Whatever you do is over the phone. You don't need a job. I'm sorry. You don't need to work around children anymore. You should not have to be taking your staff of a bunch of grown people. They didn't say we were going to teach the children education or or multicultural. You talking about the staff and the teachers? I'm sorry. Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. You should not have to teach these kids. I'm sorry, these parents. I'm sorry. They got me all twisted. These teachers and staff, anything to deal with these children properly. You're all racist, and that's what this boils down to. Now all your racist behavior is coming out. They say the doll, they had Several, they had quite a few parents pull their children out of this school. And it had nothing to do with race from both sides of the fence. They were like, enough is enough already. Well, let me tell you something. This ain't the first time they didn't show some racist behavior. I don't believe they didn't wait to do no blackface. Because you just ain't going to bust out with no blackface. You're going to be doing some other little things. And that's probably why the people leave it. Because now they didn't overlook all the other little things you didn't done. Yeah, I didn't say it just like that, but you didn't done. Let's talk to the men for a little bit before we go into some of our other news. Because I want to talk about this school thing. You know, Brother Al, love the kids. He always in the school. I want to talk about, let me see. Uh, we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about the teacher who went to Japan, and she's seen the difference between United States schooling. Well, one of the things, they have to take off their shoes once they come from outdoors. So they have to change into their indoor shoes once they come from outside. They have to, the students are responsible for cleaning the school from top to bottom every single day. They say that the children serve themselves lunch and they are responsible for cleaning their trays. They say that there's a dress code that the girls are not allowed to wear their hair below their shoulders. So all their hair has to be above the shoulders or in a low ponytail. And they cannot dye their hair. They can have no piercings and no makeup. And I want to hear what Brother Al has to say about this here. Good morning, Brother Al. Hey, good morning. How you doing? I am well. Well, thank you. So, Brother Al, was an English uh, student, I'm sorry, teacher, who went over to Japan, and she's teaching over there now, and she's pointing out all these differences. What difference do you think it would make 
if the children had to scrub and clean the school each and every day. That's what they have to do in Japan. Those children clean uh, their school every day. You mean if we were to do that here in the state? Well, what do you think would make the difference? Our children had to clean the schools each and every day like they do in Japan. There is no janitor in Japan. The children are the janitors. Right. If 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 they were to do that here, the lunchrooms wouldn't be as disgusting. Because I got pictures because I got a complaint. Because these kids, they come in and eat, and they leave their tray on the floor. They leave stuff on, or, you know, tray, yeah, I mean, food trays on the floor, food and paper stuff on the table. Every morning, like I'm here now at breakfast, when they leave, I got to go through picking and throwing stuff up. So if they were to do that, then it would make a change. They wouldn't be as messy as they are. Well, also, Brother Al, speaking on the lunchroom, they are responsible in Japan. The children are responsible for serving themselves lunch and cleaning their trays. So that would definitely make a difference here if they were forced to do that here. Well, see, the problem with that, now, the serving themselves, I disagree with it. And the reason I disagree with it, because it's so funny that they're even doing that because I had a meeting two weeks ago, and they look at next year to have that here, where the kids come in and it's like buffet style and they feed themselves. The problem with that is these kids are not clean. They nasty. So, you, yeah. I, I mean, we got a little salad bar here that they serve themselves. We have a salad bar at the end where they serve themselves. And I kept kids putting their fingers in there. And I'm like, bro, you couldn't use the funk that's right there to put that over to be the only one in one. I said, but other people got to eat out of that. So yeah. I think that is a horrible, horrible decision. Yeah. You're going to see some serious germs spreading if they do that one. Yeah. That's one of the first things I thought about was the cleanliness. You know, I I know I have a friend, he will not eat. Boy, just him talk about the buffet make, me, make my stomach turn. And I love the buffet, but listening to him, and we're talking about adults. So needless to say, when it comes to the children, I agree with you what that would be like and that what that must be like out there in, in Japan and in any other, um, you know, country or location where the children are serving themselves. You know, children are, you know, they're very careless. You know, they're playing around, you know, and now, like you said, even those who are intentionally putting their hands and in in, in fingers inside, you know, how do people come behind you and eat? The next person that, you know, once you do that, it's tainted from you and everybody else going backwards. Uh, I guess somebody would have to be there to monitor um, them serving themselves, Brother Al. I guess they couldn't just like... Now, let me ask you something. That's, right. That's that's even hard because you got so... It ain't like they come in one at a time. You know what i So you got a group of kids there. And because I'm in there. When, when they, most of the time when they go in there, I'm there. And you have a kid out of nowhere reach over. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? So that's that's even hard. I just think it's a bad idea. Don't, don't serve them. Don't let them serve themselves. All righty. All righty. Let's talk to Pastor KL and see what he says. Good morning, Pastor KL. 
are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well. Thank you. I'm well. Thank you. How are you? Oh, man, I'm just chipper, just chipper. <laughs> We're talking about the difference between, um, and just stick to these differences. I didn't move over to the other one, the other side yet. The difference between the, um, you know, the J- J- Japanese schools and the children and the children here in the United States, they're talking about the children cleaning the school itself. How do you think that would make a difference here in, in, in the United States? I think the dropout will be even more high, higher than that, than we have now. You know, you can't get these kids to clean their bedroom. You think they're going to clean a the school? They drop it out of school. Everybody's, doing, everybody's learning from home. That's interesting. Huh? That is interesting. Yeah. Anybody going back to virtual? Listen, you go on virtual and, 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 and you see the, the the boy or the girl in the bed. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> in the room and clean. You ever, see, you ever see somebody do a TikTok video in their bedroom and their bedroom nasty as all get out? Yeah, I never understand that. <laughs> never understand that. I never understand. I'm like, yo, you don't clean the background before you start running the camera. Exactly. <laughs> no, but I agree with I, I I agree with you. The attitudes they would have to have ten times a day detention because the attitudes of the United States children would be absolutely right. out of this world. And I We're I not agree disciplined with, for that. No, We're not, not at all. For that. Nope, not at all. Not at all, not at all. It would be an utter mess. It would be an utter mess. Parents would have to be up at school all the time. What about right. the, the buffet style where in Japan they serve themselves lunch and they have to clean their trays? How do you think that would work here in the United States? Again, have you ever told your child, to wash the dishes and you had to go behind them and wash the dishes again? Yeah, That's just uh, not going to work out. You <laughs> know what I mean? Because what, what you call clean is not what I call clean. So it's, that's just not going to work out. It's going to be a, a COVID-55 in the United States. Yeah, it's in a COVID-55. No, it's it's very <laughs> true. Very true. The children are not going to be clean. You talk about going behind some children. Try going behind some adults. You pick up, it's all right. greased. The thing is all I'm like, who watched this? It, it, yeah. I mean, yeah listen, it. How, how many times you got to go to a restaurant and ask them, can I get another fork, please? This ain't working out. Yeah. Oh my yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, this this is not going to go and well. She's probably watched that one. That, she's probably watched that one at the restaurant. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious Her and this restaurant say man Drives you crazy Drives you crazy uh, Okay listen They're talking about The girl's hair It cannot be below the shoulder Or it has to be in a low ponytail They cannot have tattoos Piercings or dyed hair. How's that going to work for us, Brother Al? 
Is that you, Brother Al? They're going to be invisible. <laughs> All right, maybe Brother Al can't can't talk right now. Pastor KL, what does that say about our Brother, girls? There ain't going to be no black students. Let's put it that way. It's going to be all white, all white schools. There ain't going to be no black students in there. I'm just, just, just letting you know right now. We are going to be the dumbest children there is because we are not going to school. If we can't be unbelievable, we ain't going. Okay? So it's not going to happen. No, it's true. It's very true. I say they go to wigs, they go to weaves, they go to braids. Straight out the window. Yep, straight <laughs> out the window. They go to the blonde, red, green, blue. Yep, all of that goes now, straight. Now, now these lashes are longer than the wigs. Longer than the yeah. wigs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you said, they're not disciplined. And you know what, Pastor KL? The sad part about it is the parents would be up at right. the school fussing. That's the sad. Mm-hmm. That's the saddest part about that. They wouldn't even because right now, you know, Shawnee's, she does not mandate Mariah wear uniform, and I'm saying to myself, <laughs> well, who does that? <laughs> to me, that's the best thing that could have ever happened for the students it's to have cheaper. a uniform. It's a whole lot cheaper. Just I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm like, for, like you said, oh, I loved when to major wore uniform. She wore, and I, I found every different style, every different kind, every different <laughs> length just to give her some variety. And right. that which it was still, not only is it economical, but again, you know what you're wearing. Again, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about this battle of the clothing. Again, you don't have to worry about trying to fit in with everybody else and what they're wearing. It's I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get why we as parents, we'd be up at the school fighting because the children couldn't wear their hair the way they wanted to wear it. Uh, you know, they, they couldn't wear the tattoos or the piercings. The, to me, listen, you're in school. You, you're not at age to right. even be doing all of this anyway. Right, right. And then at that age, I'm probably buying your weave. I'm probably buying your wig. So I right. don't want you to wear all that stuff. Right. That's what I'm saying. This is stuff that, you know, somebody else is caring for you. So, they're, mm-hmm. like you said, they're purchasing it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it because it would be the stupid parents up there fighting. It would be the parents mm-hmm. up there fighting. Uh, 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 trying to prove a point. I wanted to talk right. about something else um, with with you, um, and I think maybe I didn't do the story yet. I wanted to do the story out out in Alabama. I don't know what happened out there, Pastor KL. Oh, Jesus. Alabama oh, has gone wild. I don't know what's happened I'm out there. It. All the news is coming from Alabama. What happened out there in Alabama <laughs> recently? I, I have no idea. Well, is coming, yeah. Is this coming to light? Let me give you this story here. They have 
an Alabama inmate who they I'm back to Pastor Sal. Sorry to interrupt. Hi. Okay, I'm, I'm moving on, Brother Al. I'm moving on. They got okay. listen to the story. They've got this Alabama inmate who they froze to death. They put Tony Mitchell, 33, in a restraint chair in the jail kitchen's walk-in freezer. And they, they did this for punishment. And he died, and they put, listen, they put him in there naked, and he died of hypothermia. What kind of mess are we dealing with? Brother Al, you got first thoughts on this one. Wow, that's insane. I mean, I'm quite sure they're smart enough to know if you put something in the freezer, it's going to freeze. So I don't know what kind of punishment they thought they were doing. You know what I'm saying? That's murder. That's that's straight murder. Okay, he did the crime or whatever. He he's he's locked up. He's doing his time. But then y'all gonna take and and strip him naked, tie him to a chair, and put him in the freezer? That's just humane. Yeah. You know yeah. that, That's crazy. For a couple of hours. For a couple. Yeah, especially, especially with those especially with those freezers because. When I was work uh, before I moved up to the dean position, and I used to work in the I used to work in the kitchen. I started in the cafeteria to school, and those walk-in freezers. Let me tell you something. I used to have to go in there and take stuff out. Man, I used to hurt to get up out of there. Man, I mean, it gets super cold in there. I mean, it is super cold in there. So for him to be in there for a few hours, that's crazy. Yeah, they have ten correction officers, two nurses. That, that are under investigation. They say that, uh, let me see, they say they watched him. They watched him. Warm and become uncomfortable, and they were going back and forth, teasing, teasing him for these few hours. They say when he got to the, um, after he died, the coroner said that his body temperature was so low, he couldn't figure out. They didn't tell him they put the man in the freezer. So he's trying to figure out what in the world happened inside this jail. They said he said that he he thought at first it was something that was wrong with the man that his body would drop so low. He never imagined they had actually put him in a freezer. Pastor KL. Yeah, that that was total total murder, total murder. However, I will tell you that I am not surprised. You know, Alabama wow. is known for a lot of crazy, a lot of crazy things. Not sure if you heard of the story. This was about eight years ago. A man got arrested for speeding. Now, let me say that again. A man got arrested for speeding, and they lost the prisoner for three years. 
In, 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 what? In jail. No one could find him. The, 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 the prison said that they had no, no records of him. And what happened was he was in a part of, of the jail that they no longer used anymore. Oh, my so God. Mind you, mind you, wait a minute. Mind you, somebody was feeding him. They were feeding him. They were giving him water and everything. But he was by himself for three years. Oh, my God. So I'm not surprised at Alabama. Not surprised at Alabama. Now, surprisingly, Pastor KL and and Brother Al, this man is on the other side of the fence. Wow. He's not even one of us. He's actually... On the other side he of must the have fence. Been, he must have been sleeping with one of us inside. <laughs> Look, yeah. he, either, either that, either, either that, or one of his one of his parents is on our side. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. They mad. Yeah, he's actually on the other side of the fence, and I'm very surprised. But you know, when you say that they lost him and yet somebody was feeding him and giving him something to drink, boy, they are something right. else. They are something else. Right. They are something else. Wow. I have another story, and I wanted to talk about this one here. And this is this is something that, you know, we we have not heard of up to this point. And maybe again down in Alabama or some of the other country, um, other parts of the you know South in this country, you know, uh, they have heard of this. So you have this Lamar Johnson, who was falsely accused of murder 28 years ago. Now, they said that in '94 he was convicted of murder. Um, of shooting a man to death, uh, of being one of two men who were masked, who shot this this man to death, and they found him guilty. And they had, they found ended up finding out that they had coerced the um, there's some coercion involved that got him sentenced and you know charged and sentenced. Now convicted. I'm sorry. Now, the two suspects wrote and said that they confessed to committing the murders. Well, he also had an alibi when the crime was committed um, by his girlfriend that said that he was with her. So now, after all this time, they have... Uh, let him out because they come to find out that with uh, the the uh, confessions and blah blah blah, no DNA was involved. That he had been falsely accused, falsely imprisoned, and they let him out. However, out in Missouri, they do not compensate you for any false imprisonment. So he's now spent 28 years in jail. They have admitted that he should not have been incarcerated, 
But because this was not overturned because of DNA, it does not fall under the parameters of him getting financial compensation. Now, they say that had it been the other way, he would have gotten up to $1.82 million. But, again, because there was no DNA involved, they have said, at, sorry, no compensation. Brother Al. Yes. Wow. That, that's 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 crazy. You know, you just took majority of that man's life away from him because y'all didn't do what y'all was supposed to do. I'm, I'm wondering though. Okay, they're not gonna give me anything, but can he sue them? You know, I would. Uh, you know, cause I know sometimes when they wrongfully convict somebody, they spend time in jail. When they come out, they just voluntarily give them a compensation. I'm wondering, can he sue? Well, they say that he cannot even sue them. Wow, that's crazy. So that man just more than half his life in prison. Yep. And that's it. All all he gets from y'all is, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. So now he should go rob a bank, and y'all shouldn't arrest him now. Y'all either. (laughs) All right, cool. I'm going to make it easier. I'm going to go rob this bank, and y'all can't arrest him. Yeah. No, he cannot sue. That's crazy. And what they've done is there's this um, Midwest Innocence Project. They've they've launched a GoFundMe campaign to help him with compensation. Because if, like you said, he's been in jail for 30 years, and pretty much, and now what is he going to go and do for work? What kind of work are you going to go get? Where you're going to really be able to exactly. make some money? You know, so. Right, and not, not only just, not, you know, I'm, I'm looking at not only just, Financially, you can imagine what prison did to him mentally. You know, right. 28 years, like what it did to him mentally. You know, I remember uh, a while back, I, I spent a few hours in the holding cell because they made a mistake. And I made a, I spent a few hours in there, and that almost drove me crazy. So yeah. 28 years, like you said, you have to imagine what it did to him mentally. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, the the thing about it is they need to get, it needs to be a federal law. You know, again, you have these states that can supersede federal law. You have the city that can supersede state law. And sometimes you have even county laws that can supersede city laws. So you're running a big risk, and there's no reason why the feds can't really step in and make this, like, mandatory. But because he didn't do any federal time, that's another reason why the feds can't step in. 
Pastor KL, what kind of what I mean, what kind of system doesn't exonerate you and then pay you? Yeah, that, I mean, to me that's crazy. You you put you put a price on my life when I did nothing wrong and put me in a system. Now that you now that you realize that I did nothing wrong, there's no price to compensate me. So there's a price to hold me down, but there's no price to compensate me. I heard Brother Al say, you know, when 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 he was in there for a couple of hours because he did nothing wrong, he he had a problem with it. Well, I was in there for a couple of days because I did something wrong, you know, and I thought they were gonna keep me. And when I came out, it was mental anguish. <laughs> you know, I was kissing the floor like I was Alibaba or somebody. You know, and he just thanked God for freedom. You know, so I can't imagine 28 hours, I mean, 28 years, and every day you waking up knowing you did nothing at all. I'm in there knowing I did something and don't know what the outcome is going to be. But he knew he did nothing wrong, and there was still no outcome for him for 28 years. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And, you know, again, you know, there's um – you don't even have the feds that would come in and say, okay, you know, federal government that would come in and say, you know, hey, you know, this is this is what's going on. There's no way in the world that you know we should um, we should leave this man without any compensation, no restitution. So you just walk off. Everybody just washes their hands, and and nothing else, nothing else at all, nothing else. Alrighty, gentlemen. Here's a, a, a story that I definitely saw and wanted to talk about today. And you have this Pennsylvania mother, her six year old son took a semi automatic handgun from her room and took it to school. And the children on the bus were the ones that turned him in. So they say he got on the bus with the with the um with the gun and it started off with the night before his ten year old brother took the bullets out the gun and then pointed the gun at the six year old. In the middle of the night, the six-year-old takes the gun, puts it in his backpack, and takes it to school. The children on the bus told the story as to how he had been showing the gun to the children on the bus, and they told the the secretary. They told the secretary that there was a boy on the bus who had a real gun and real bullets. <laughs> Thank you, God, they told. And they went into the book bag and they found the um, the gun. Now, the mother, 30-year-old Jasmine, turns herself in. And she's now been arrested. Now been arrested, and she is awaiting felony charges. And they say she's also 
going to get in trouble and have to pay the price because they call it a straw purchase. The gun, they call the purchase of the gun was a straw purchase. And that's when the actual buyer, the one, um, the one who wants the gun, can't pass the background check. So they get someone else to purchase the gun for them. So now that they found out that that was what happened, she's going to have to eat that as well because it's illegal to buy a gun that you have no intention on keeping. You're buying, you know, a gun for someone else. So, Brother Al, is it about time that they start arresting these parents because still to this minute you have not heard anything about that six-year-old who we've been talking about for weeks, who uh, took the gun to the school and shot the teacher. We have not heard to date that any parent has been arrested. We did a subsequent story. We have never heard that that parent was arrested. And now finally the parent is arrested. Is it about that time? It is definitely about that time. You know, I, I don't, I don't understand it. You know, she should get way more charged than what she's doing. Okay, you got, you bought a. So, so is it that somebody bought the gun for her, or she bought the gun for somebody? No, she was the one who purchased the gun for someone. So she's gonna eat oh. that, that charge as right, well. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you know you got in danger. You got in danger of a child. You got in danger of a child because these kids don't know nothing about guns. So I, I don't know why she's not getting charged with that. But kids are going to get taken away from her because she's showing that she's unfit. And you know it, it, it's about time. Like I said, I don't have pity for them. And and, and it's like they're getting away now. What if that kid would have shot? You know, where he, he so-called took the bullets out. But I'm quite sure he didn't realize that there was a bullet in the chamber. If people don't understand right. that. You can take all the bullets out, but there's a bullet in the chamber. Chamber. You know what I'm saying? So what if he just shot that kid in the face? Nah, this kid just took the gun. What if he just started shooting people on the bus, just, you know, thinking that it's not loaded? You know, these, these parents, they need to really come down hard on these parents or anybody who gets these guns and leave it out where these kids can get it. So you already did something illegal. You know, it's like, what the heck? Absolutely, absolutely, Brother Al. You have Pastor Kale. They say that they took the gun off her dresser. Now, talk about being careless. At least the other one lied and said it was way up in the closet, uh, six feet above, in a lockbox with a bicycle lock on it. No, hers was right on the dresser. Is it overdue? Are we overdue with charging these parents for these children getting a hold of the handgun or these guns? Oh, yes. We're definitely way overdue. I mean, careless, irresponsible, all those above. You know, you leave it on the dresser like it, like it's a jury box. You're just putting jury and your keys on top of the dresser, and that's supposed to be okay. I mean, Little boys like to play with, with, with fake guns. To have a real gun, he must really think he's a man. You know, and then to get on the bus, you know, that's why they got that song, the children on the bus go round and round. Everybody's going to be talking about you. 
because you think you think you're the man right now. You know, I can imagine. You know, for, for for some folks who wasn't fascinated with the gun, how many on the bus were scared of the gun? You know what I mean? Right. How, how many was traumatized that 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 little Joey or little Bobby had a gun? You know, how how do you go home and say, hey, what did you learn today? I learned how to hold a gun. I know what a gun, real, you know, a real gun looks like. Most of us see guns in Walmart. You know, Family Dollar, Dollar Tree, Dollar General. We we don't see real guns unless you're on the other side and and you go hunting. But yeah, that that that's traumatic, and and the mother should definitely get penalized. What people don't realize is, is laws. You know, I, I got people coming into my stores wanting to buy cigarettes who ain't got no no license, no ID. But they'll go outside and say, "Hey, man, you got your ID on you? Can you go buy some some cigarettes for, for me?" That's against the law, right? P- people just do stuff, you know, to, to to get away with stuff because they need something. But but if you don't have the proper credentials, you don't need to have it. That's why they put right. these laws in place. Yep, absolutely. You said something, uh, Pastor K. Ellen, and it, it brought something to my mind. Um, Brother Al, should boys or girls be allowed to play with guns, toy guns? You know, sh- you know. Years ago, it was nothing for them to make, you know, toy guns, um, play the video games where you're shooting. Um, what, what's your take on, you know, our children interacting and playing with these toys, these games? I think it's horrible. You know, I, I speak about it all the time, but now what happens these kids, they get too comfortable with it. I see some kids playing, and they even have their cell phone in their hand and hold it like it's a gun pointed at the camera. We, I just got a kid in trouble for that. He's doing this TikTok thing dance, and he got his phone in his hand pointed at, like the, pointed at the camera like it's a gun. And if you looked at it, when they took it, it was a quick glance. It looked like he had a gun, but it was his cell phone. I just called his parents with that. And see, these parents, they don't realize in these video games, oh, my God, these kids love Call of Duty. And all the game is just going and killing and shooting. And when we do video games, I tell them, if you can't bring a decent game, I got this board. <laughs> they got all the old games. I put it in there. Coach, how you play that? I said, let's learn it. We're not doing no shooting. Hey. And, and they they too comfortable. They too comfortable with it. I'm saying you you got a kid in a minute will put their finger up like it's a nut. And I'm like, why are you doing that? And they think it's okay. So I think that they need to cut that stuff out. See, these companies don't care. They keep coming out with Call of Duty Four, Call of Duty Five, and these kids loving them games like eighty, ninety dollars a piece. All they care about is making that money. And then you got some parents. Well, you know, it's just a video game. All the kids are playing it. I said, have you sat down and with your son and watched them play that game and see the blood and everything? Have you sat down and watched the game? Well, no, I haven't sat down. Then okay, then don't tell me it's just a game because it's not. It's crazy. They shouldn't be allowed to play it. All righty. Pastor K.L., there was a video that was circulating um, some time ago about, and it was a, a um, it was a Christian, it was a pastor, the pastor, and she was filming her grandson in the backyard. He was all by himself in the backyard with a rifle. It's a toy rifle, and it had, you know, the strap that you put across, like you could put it over your 
neck or, of course, your chest. And, you know, he was playing with it. And, you know, periodically he would take it and he would, um, you know, shoot it. And then he was, you know, flipping it and swinging it around. And then he would take and shoot it again. And I was one who commented. <laughs> and I and I and I asked, I, why why I, I, this your money? But why why is this something that we're allowing? And it was this debate because some of us felt, and I generally I never I almost never comment. Very, I've been on since 2009, and one of the things is I really don't get involved with any debates, any comments. I think in all my, since 2009, I think I may have done three times. And I asked why also, and it was this debate. And some pastors and Christian people felt that it was nothing wrong. And you had the others who said, absolutely not. We, especially we, have a responsibility to ensure that our children are not playing. Where do you stand on this? Well, okay, so I, I, I stand on this from, from experience. Because when I was young, you know, I used to play with the Nerf rifles and all that other stuff. And, you know, I did all that stuff as well. However, I think I was... 16, 17 years old, and I was in a play in school. I went to Music and Arts High School, and I was in a play. And the particular play I was in was, was about Malcolm X. And I was the one who had to kill Malcolm X. So, me, me and a buddy of mine. So, we had time. We was in rehearsal. We had our guns because they were fake guns, so we were killing Malcolm X. We went outside, and back in the days in New York, there was a hot dog stand. So, we ate hot dogs. Now, somebody from the other side of the fence saw us with the guns, and they called the police. Didn't realize they were fake guns. We got slammed up against the wall, guns drawn out to us, and we're trying to explain to these cops how we're in a play, and we're not trying to kill nobody. They're fake guns. We dropped the guns. They saw that was fake. They had to escort us into the school to verify our whole whole story. So from that point, I, I knew I was a target. If I never knew it before, I knew I was a target. So my grandchildren can't play with guns, I, my, my godchildren can't play with guns, or I'm not buying them, and you can't play with them around me. Okay. Okay. And because, like you said, because this it could be where we end up. And she was highly upset. Uh, and like I said, some of the other ones felt like, what was the big deal? He was playing in his backyard. It was only him. No other children, no other people, no nobody. And she was just filming this thing. And she felt it was fine. Brother Al, should she have should it have mattered that he was playing alone? Uh no, it don't matter. You know, even when my son was when my son was younger, especially my younger son. All he played with was trucks and cars. I got him. He fell in love with trucks and cars. I remember one time his mother bought him a video game, and I'm looking, and it had a gun. So I took it. Oh, he cried his eyes. I said, you can cry all you want. You're not playing. And I called her, and I let her have it. And she was like, oh, but it's just a video game. I said, we're training our young black son 
and it's okay with guns and shoot and kill. And that's not what we're going to do. So I'm going to give it back to you. You can take it back to your store and get your money back, or I could throw it away how you want to do it. She did, but she was mad. But even though he was back there by himself, you still, that's still, to me, like training him. Because I'm saying, I wish you could be around these kids by yourself. It's no, no, it's like nothing for them to take their finger and even act like they got a gun. It's like they are obsessed with guns. So even he by himself, no, he still should not be playing with him at all. Give him a football or something. Yeah, play with a football. You want to throw, you want to throw something here, throw this football. You know, nah, it's no. Mm-mm. Wow. Wow. What about cops and robbers? That was huge, huge when we were kids. You know, the boys would play cops and robbers. Uh, what do you feel about that, brother Al? No, we we still we still shouldn't we we, we still shouldn't be doing that either. Let me tell you something that broke my heart. Real quick, a quick story. I was at I was at school during the summer during the summer camp. I always worked with the older kids and. The younger kids, uh, the counselor wasn't there. So when I came in, they was like, okay, man, uh, Al, we ain't going to need you to work with the young. I'm like, oh, the young one, get on my nerves. Now, when you say young, I'm talking about from five to seven. So I say, I know what I do. I'll take them outside and let them just run themselves. Right? So they outside playing and running and playing. So I'm just observing. And it was three kids, and they played cops and robbers. No, they didn't have guns, but they were using their fingers. So I observed. And I observed uh, one kid, he was just super fast. He was the bad guy. And they couldn't catch him. Finally, he got tired, and they caught him, right? So one of the kids called him. He said, you're under arrest. So he bringing him to the other guy who was betraying to be a cop. When he brought him there, he took his finger like a gun, and he shot the guy, right? So I looked at him. I said, come here. I said, he was under arrest. I said, so why did you shoot him? And this little kid, six-year-old kid, looked at me and said, oh, I shot him because he's black. And that just oh. tore my insides out. And that tore my insides out there. And I tell these parents, your child is not too young to know what's going on. You need to talk to them. Because this, obviously this little kid seeing what's going on with cops killing black. So his, his response to me is like, oh, I shot him because he's black. I was like, wow. And I said, y'all never play this game again, ever. So I don't think they should be doing that either because, again, you're still training them to shoot. You should teach him it's okay to shoot the bad guy. He's a bad person. It's okay to shoot him. No, we're not doing it. And that broke my heart, man. After that, I was like, uh, okay, that's it. No more nothing. Okay. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. Pastor Kale, you know, when you see the boys uh, playing cops and robbers, you know, they're putting their hands behind their back. You know, they've arrested them. Um, They're taking them in to jail, you know, are we teaching our boys to do something wrong? You know, they're arresting them. They're arresting them. Like Brother Al said, they they, they chased him. You know, clearly he had done something wrong. And now, you know, it's time to arrest him. Why can't we play cops and robbers? Is it okay to play um, cops and robbers? Well, you know, the problem with that is this. A lot of times when we play games or when we imitate things, we imitate learned behavior or the things that we see. If we see that we're the only one getting arrested or we're the only one getting shot, then that's what we imitate. So as soon as I play cops and robbers, whoever the robber is is going to get shot. And if black is playing with black, then somebody got to get shot. You know, and, and then, then you're teaching 
the other side that if you're a cop, you have the power. You know what I mean? And these are the things you can do and get away with it. You know, there, there, there's no, you know, we're going we to detain you now until we find that you're guilty. We're just going to shoot you because we caught you and you made us run long enough. You know, just because you made me to run and I'm winded, now what I see is that it's time to shoot you. One, you embarrassed me because I should have caught you a long time ago. Two, now I'm frustrated because I can't tussle with you no more because I'm tired. So the only way I can keep you down is to shoot you. We, it's a learned behavior. We do things that we see. No, no, no child has, has gone to, to school to be a police officer. So whatever you see on TV, in the movies, whatever you see uh, on the news, this is what we, we imitate. And that could be a problem. Wow, wow, wow. You gentlemen have brought up some really good points. You know, again, you know, uh, women, you know, are a little more lenient. And, you know, they tend not to see some things that you men have um, seen, you have experienced. And, again, you know, this was a pastor who saw no problem with this. But thank you so much for, you know, bringing out some really pertinent points here. And and prayerfully, our listeners are paying attention and not buy these games anymore, not allow these children to play uh, these particular games, play with these guns, because it really is not, Something that's positive for us <laughs> there, There's no more games here Thank you so much For your contribution Into today's conversation And we pray that you have a blessed day You have a blessed day as well Thank you, thank you, thank you Alrighty, let's get that benediction in We have First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Uh, Amen, amen, amen. Again, you know, we... (laughs) it's, It's so important that the body of Christ understand uh, the severity of all of these things. You know, when, when, again, you know, I don't really get involved, you know, sometimes people are put, there was one particular um, uh, person, she was put like a debatable question out. Um, And like I said, a lot of times I don't see stuff because I don't scroll. You know, I open it up, whatever it's, you know, whatever's there on that screen is there and I just post and I get off. I really don't, you know, look around only if I'm looking for, um, you know, guests and things like that. And I do that in, you know, in clusters of time. I really don't do that over a period of time, you know, like throughout the week and things like that. No. So I, I miss a lot of stuff that actually goes on on Facebook. But this particular thing, I just could not. It was so disturbing to watch. And it was a huge brown rifle. And he's just flipping this thing and just taking it out. And he's shooting and making the sounds. And I'm saying to myself, 
with all that's going on in our communities, why would this be okay to do this? With all that's going on, and here you are, a young, a black child, and there's a war on our black children. (laughs) Why? Why would you not cover him by showing him you know, these are the things we're going to stay away from. And when I tell you this was some back and forth, and I only posted one. I only responded once because whatever I said is what I said. And, you know, other people going, you know, uh, posting and, you know, their comments and things like that, they were pretty much saying what I wanted to say. And then, like I said, you had that flip side that, you know, was saying that it was fine. And I could not imagine, I don't have many friends, Facebook friends on the other side of the fence. But if I could tell you that not one of them were in this conversation, this is all us. And I'm saying to myself, again, with them shooting the Trayvon Martin and all these, like, yo, and these kids didn't even have guns. Why would you, you know, I don't care nothing about it being in your backyard. You know, just like the, the, the men have said, you know, this is reality for us. This is not something that is a joke. We're going to have to learn to cover our children. You know, everything, we're in this world, but we should not be of this world. You know, everything that goes on, should not include us. Plain and simple as that. And if we don't teach them now to be separate, then are they going to know to be separate? Are they going to know what not to get involved with? Well, of course not, because we have not set the example. So, you know, let's let's pay attention a lot more, you know, people were quoting scriptures, <laughs> people were quoting scriptures, oh my goodness, it, it got so heated in there, and it was sad, it was sad that this was, it, it really, it, this was really a debate, but again, it shows that people are just separated from reality. And really would think that this would be fine to do. Really would be fine to do. So, you know, my prayer is that, you know, we 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 do better. <laughs> we do better, especially again those of us who are supposed to be leaders, pastors, you know, those apostles and, and bishops and you know all of these people. You know, these people who are leading people that you would lead properly. Our children are relying on us to cover them, to show them the right way. Even if it means no fun sometimes, we're going to have to do that. But at the end of the day, it just may save his life or her life. So, you know. (sighs) Let's get ourselves together, people of God, and let's make the difference. I am uh, God Spares on Sunday. 
I am going to introduce a new, uh, I don't know if I want to call it a show, but a new um, a presentation. And it'll be uh, Sunday at 8 o'clock, right before our prayer time. So if you're not doing anything, join us. It'll, you know, sometimes I'll do an intimate connection with Pastor Steph. And that's a conversation, you know, with, you know, someone who, you know, has gone through some things. You know, it's a little deeper than what we do on Therapeutic Thursdays. There's another segment called In the Face of Danger, where people have found themselves in a real tight jam only to be rescued by the hand of God. So I have some people lined up to begin these uh, different uh, segments. And I think you're really going to like it. I think it's going to help to deliver some people uh, out of, you know, their own way of just being able to be used by God. You know, again, you know, God has brought me from a mighty long way. Means what to people these days? People want to hear what has happened. And the more you talk, people are quickly to, you know, quick to tell you, you don't understand what I've been through. But it's time for us to tell the story. It's time for us to stop worrying about are we going to be embarrassed. It's time for us to stop worrying about are we going to embarrass other people. It's time for us to stop worrying about, you know, I, I need to save face. You know, these trials and tribulations, you know, are not for us. At the end of the day, these testimonies are not for us. They're not only for us. You know, when God has delivered us, it's time for us to reach back, reach over, and pull somebody else. And the the generation that we're faced with now, these kids are, and these people, and this, this, where people are now, they're not looking for us just to be standing up talking about, oh, God did it. No, they want to hear because they're going through some stuff. And we're going to have to present Jesus in an entirely different way. So the best part about this is you have people out here who are really willing to tell their story. So, again, I don't know who's going to make it to Sunday, but it'll be somebody in that 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock hour, and then we'll have our prayer at 9 o'clock. So come on in the room and join us and see, you know, what God is is presenting and see what God is is doing and see how God is using people to help to save lives. And, you know, I've, I've spoken to, you know, a few people, and they've got some stories, man. They've got some stories. Talk about former lives. They've got some stories. So I'm looking forward to it. So I'm asking that you join us. You know, let, you know, show people love. Let them know that, uh, you know, they've they've got a, an audience to talk to. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. Somebody that you know who needs to hear these stories. These stories of victims to victors, be there. 
be there. Okay? You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew for always coming through big time, giving us some thought-provoking stimulation for the weekend. Please, please, please do not miss this opportunity. Give your life to Christ right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your life in Christ right now because later is not promised to any of us. You know, go back and listen to yesterday's uh, presentation. It was quite powerful. What a testimony. A woman who was truly moving uh, with God's guidance because there's no way in the world she'd be able to do that uh, and stand tall in the eye of the storm if God did not have his hand on her life. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, this is what you're catching because you, people need, again, people need this. So thank you for hanging out with us all week and helping us do what we do. Uh, until Sunday, Sunday at 8 o'clock. Introducing that new segment. Join us. Please don't miss it. Ah, until then, God spares our life. I love you. Mm-hmm.